0: You are listening to the podcast of Open Life Church. We are located in Bonnie Lake, Washington and meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at Bonnie Lake High School. Thank you for taking the time to download our podcast or visit our message archive page at livinglifeopen.com. If you are visiting us on our message archive, I just want to make you aware of two things. First, there's a link just above the audio display where you can download our fill-in-the-blank handout. And second... After you're done listening, we would love for you to follow the link on the upper right side of the page that says Let's Connect. Here you can tell us a little bit about yourself or tell us something that we can pray with you about. Feel free to give us as much or as little information as you'd like. Wherever and however you are listening to us today, we are excited you are here and we hope you enjoy it. Now here's today's speaker.
1: Luke 24, 1-12 is on your handout if you're a note taker. uh, We just put it there so you could have the main segment of text today, but it says on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, just a sec here, let me set this up because it'll make no sense. Um, The uh, Jesus has just been crucified and put in the grave. I know we just celebrated his birth. This is like fast forward, right? I don't know if when you pick up a book, you read the end first, just to see kind of what happens and ruin it for yourself. But we're gonna kind of do that. We're gonna just jump right to the the end of the story here of Jesus' life and and say, did he really like did he make it? You know, did he raise from the dead three days later? Because he claimed all these things while he was alive and Like, all of them really depended on whether He was going to resurrect from the dead or not. The resurrection means a lot to the Christian faith, because if He doesn't resurrect, it's like, well, He was a good dude. So, there's a lot of tension here. So, three days later. Here we go. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared, went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes, (laughs) that's a good thing. (laughs) Anyway, two men in clothes that that gleamed like, the Bible's funny if you really just pause in the right spot. Two men in clothes, let's pray. No, I mean, it's just, wow, thank you, God, for putting clothes on them. Um, So two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. Remember how he told you, While he was still with you in Galilee, The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, Be crucified, and on the third day raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense. Peter, you can always count on Peter, just to be kind of impulsive. He says, however, Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Wondering to himself. I love how Peter got up and ran, and that's kind of the the thought for today is that we should really no matter how 2014 ended up, we should really, in 2015, take it with a mindset of getting up and running. And, uh, and so here's, here's this thought of Peter and his reaction to the nonsense, to what didn't calculate to illogical circumstances in his mindset. He still got up and ran. Last year, we launched into the year with a series 2014 that we called "Why Not"? It really was a mindset, if you would, inspired by the great theologian in We Bought a Zoo. Uh, and uh, no, it was uh, the movie We Bought a Zoo, and the whole thought of of why not just take 20 seconds of insane courage and something incredible will happen, and just looked at all the why not moments in Scripture and really set out in 2014 to have this why not mindset that when doors open, why not walk through them? And and that was incredible. And so I was like, man, that really worked out well for the year. I like it. this theme that we can come back to or return to. And, And so as I was praying for 2015, and it's kind of a cool year because open life next Week next Saturday is actually the actual day of like our fifth birthday. Uh, we launched at Regal Theater on January tenth, two thousand and ten, our first service, and uh, so we're celebrating our five year birthday next week. It's going to be incredible. We'll have a lot of people who've been on staff here that'll come back, and and we're going to have a water baptism to conclude the service. So if you've never been baptized and gone public with your faith by being baptized in water. Next week is an incredible day. If you come and you're not ready to be baptized, we'll have everything you need to spontaneously choose that. So, don't worry, we're going to have a blast next week. But that said, uh, I was thinking, Lord, what's for 2015? Like, five years seems like a big deal. You know, we, we, we're going to celebrate it big, but we're also thinking, what about like the next five years? What do you have? And And I just really felt like this thought of let's return to the mission and vision uh, that we set out for. Let's return to this thought of being present among our community. Let's return to the thought of of really connecting and serving and sharing life with people over and over again to where our gospel demonstration of a life just demands an explanation. We make an impact through love and service to our community. And and so, it was just kind of cool as I began to think about the legacy of open life, what would define us. This word return kept coming to my mind, and I was like, return's a powerful thought. Return is a deeply powerful thought. Praying and considering, man, maybe if we just look at return for a moment and consider all the things around us that involve returning. And I was like, ooh, yeah, let's, let's, let's do this. I mean, when typing a text message on an iPhone, sorry for those of you who don't use it. Anyway, uh, you know, I know that I can, I can hit send, but you know what else I can hit? I can also hit return, and that message will be sent, like if I wanted to text that to Open Life. Did you know Open Life's phone number? You can text to it if you ever just want to encourage us. Feel free. You know, text to Open Life's phone number, if you can find it anywhere. It's just a Google phone number anyway. Okay, here we go. Uh, When posting a status update on Facebook, all the teenagers are like, people still use that? Anyway, so, um, but return can actually send it, right? Uh, How about when… Seeking information online, you can hit return and it'll do the search. I mean, think of even your, your, when you're typing a paper, and there's no no visual for this one because it's just like imagine in your head, whenever you're writing a paper for school or you're writing a paper or reading something, oftentimes when A thought is concluded, it's the end of a paragraph, or maybe a chapter, or uh, a page, and you actually have to hit return to finish the thought, or conclude what is preceded. And thus, this thought just begins to grow of return. Think of all the different ways you use return. I want to specifically think of that paragraph, or writing, or you know whether you're concluding a a, a paragraph or a, a chapter or a page of your story, because really, open life is a, kind of a cool story, which we'll really highlight next week. But it, it's been cool to be a part of this story that is focused on leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus and serving our community and uh, a return. When we're writing it and, like, trying to record a story or tell a story or create thought, return makes way for something new and beautiful because what is preceded is coming to conclusion to the reader, the onlooker, the observer, if you will. You're creating curiosity in the first paragraph, and then you hit return, and maybe you actually have to return twice to create more space. And there's tension in that moment but yet you're empowering the story to move on. Return involves tension. I mean, think of the moment of having the courage in the context of writing to say, I've written the final sentence of that paragraph. Enter. Enter. And you're kind of at the anticipation of what do I write next? The first sentence is really important of a paragraph. So was the last sentence. Did I really conclude all that I wanted to say? Could cause anxiety. <laughs> it could cause stress. Reading, and I follow a few writers on, on Twitter and and love reading their books, like Mark Batterson and, and it just some of them. Anyway, And just he's always writing a book, it seems like. And just the devotion he gives to that moment and the amount of time He gives to writing, and and you just go, I can't imagine the tension of every return, especially concluding a paragraph or a chapter and moving on and saying, okay, I really think that's all of the thought I had towards that. It's pretty pretty powerful. And it's this moment where the onlooker or the reader… The person observing the story is going to either get lost or be full of anticipation for what comes next. When the return is hit, when there's a space, when there's a gap, when there's a page turn, it was interesting. We were at a conference, Jaden and I, just a few weeks back, and this one, a, a great author, Craig Rochelle, was there, and he was talking about when he was in college. He was just a bookworm. Like college, he took college the way you should take it like just went after it he was going to give it every ounce he wasn't going to get distracted by anything in college he was going to study and just learn and grow and be ready to take on the world and and so he would read 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 he had these classes where they would give book after book after book and he would find himself reading and he got so mad at his roommate because he would be done with a book he would like skim it and do better on the tests and he was getting really angry and he's like He was just, how in the world are you doing this? He did not comprehend it. And so his roommate finally said, Craig, don't you know that if you want to do better in your tests, you need to lessen the amount of information that you're consuming. Just read the first and last sentence of every paragraph and take the next test. And he was like, no, because the body is just like supporting the first sentence, and then the final sentence concludes the body. You just skip all the illustrations and get the thought, because that's what's going to be on the test. He hated the thought of doing that. He was so mad that his roommate could do that and get better scores than him. but he thought, I'll give it a try. And then, sure enough, (laughs) it worked. He got better scores on his tests and did that through the rest of college. Uh, I I get anxiety thinking about that because I just love a good story. I love to, I love the meat in the paragraph, but I I was like, oh, now I know how to pass a test if I ever get to that phase of my life again. So uh, I thought it was very interesting how he took this paragraph, and the first and the last sentence are incredibly important. All that to say this, Welcome to 2015, (laughs) and this moment in your life where you have an opportunity, whatever it means to you, but you have an opportunity to hit return. Maybe you need to return to your walk with Jesus today. Maybe return to you is going to be entering into something completely new. We need to take this opportunity and hit return. A new year, a new story, a deep and insightful thought. I don't know what it is that that you're needing, but you may not realize it. People are reading your life, and hopefully they're discovering hope through it. You're impacting people with your story. And I hope your life is a gospel demonstration that demands an explanation like, why would you be so generous? Why would you serve? Why would you? How can you have fun that way? I don't know, whatever it is, maybe you just are able to point to Jesus. Hope you're excited to return to a deeper relationship with Jesus in 2015. It was pointed out to me that on the remote control, now the guys are totally, oh yeah, remo- oh, I'm totally clued back in. Remote control? Did you say remote control? But you can hit return to... To advance by hitting return, it gives you a chance sometimes to go back. Right, depending on the remote, it's something we often need in our Christian walk to hit return. In fact, it's pretty much what we need daily. Right, we would just return, become new with Jesus through our active prayer and, and devotion life. I know right now I'm trying to to win things. Seems weird, but I am trying to win things by reading the Bible and u uh, version is a bible app and and if you read your Bible every day for the first twenty one days of two thousand and fifteen, then you have a chance of winning different things they're giving stuff away all the time to people and I have a u version T- shirt that I won like a few years back by reading the Bible, and I was hoping for more of like one of the technology gadgets that they're sending people, but anyway um, you know. By reading the Bible regularly, by returning to discipline and habits of the faith, we can be rewarded tangibly, but we could be rewarded spiritually, more importantly. Return to church, maybe after being away for a while. Maybe this is a 2015 as a return to living out your, your Christian walk in front of your kids or spouse or friends or co-workers, maybe... This is the year of return where mistakes you've made as a husband or a wife can be renewed and and, and change the direction. You can go back and give it a second shot. You can return. Return for open life is us returning to our mission, vision, values, DNA. Five years has been an incredible foundational season for us. But it's also hitting return and entering into some exciting vision and great things that are going to happen if we just continue to simply follow Jesus and make Him known through our actions and, if necessary, using words. But we can't rest where we're at, right? We can't just cruise in faith, we need to continue to follow this adventure of the Holy Spirit. God leading us to to what's next, and and I've been sitting on some things that the Lord has begun to do in the community and surrounding communities, and I haven't shared them. But with just a few people, and it's driving me nuts to not talk about it. But I'm going to wait till next Sunday anyway. And uh, so I'm really excited to return and in a way hit hitting advance or enter in a way into a new season of vision that is just going to build upon the foundation that has been laid. Uh, This thought of why not still exists in our DNA and our spirit and our culture. Why not just do crazy stuff because God would challenge us to do it. Personally, I am a Mac guy. Sorry. Sorry for all of you who are not. If it makes you feel any better, I do use Microsoft products, uh, Office 365. Anyway, so I'm just, you know, I look at this and I go, on my keyboard, uh, on a Mac keyboard, the return key, I think there's an image here, also says enter. And maybe it's the same on, on your keyboard, but I love the thought of 2015 could not only be a season where we return to the foundations in our life, But we allow ourselves to enter a new season, to just let that past be honored but fan the flame into our future, launch us into a new season. I believe it's time we enter the next story or next chapter. And the Bible promises us that it'll be greater than the previous one. But first we have to enter it. So let's return to this text for today, pun intentional there. Let's return to our Luke text today and kind of look at what God's challenging us to do with this thought of return and how the most incredible return of all time should influence us. And that was ultimately the return of God to fellowship with man. It's His story, this Bible, it's his story, and and in the beginning, God walked with Adam in the garden. He had fellowship with man in a way that you and I don't get to have fellowship with God. Can you imagine just fist bumping God every morning when you wake up? Sup, God? Yeah, go, go Hawks, right? I don't know. I mean, literal Hawks. The Hawks weren't there. Yeah, I was like, oh, Hawks, go! I'm sure that's what they did. Because obviously, hawks dominate ravens, and uh, there was no steel yet, so the steelers, well, they're not really in the story anyway. Okay, here we go. Um, It's all fun in games until somebody gets hurt. Um, So here you go. You look at this crazy book, and God has fellowship with man, but then man sins, and then God goes off the picture of direct, like, fellowship until Jesus returns. It says this in John 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Fast forward to verse 9. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through Him, the world did not recognize Him. Speaking of Jesus, right? He came to that which was His own, but His own did not receive Him. Yet to all who did receive Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh, made His dwelling among us. We've seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Your first fill-in is God returned. Jesus' story is this story of God returning. We just celebrated Christmas, Jesus' birthday. We kind of made it Jesus' birthday. We kind of stole the holiday. Anyway, but it's like, you know, this reality, Jesus came back. Like, this is God's return. It's a big deal. Some don't recognize that, but Jesus coming to bring us life and life to the full. God returning. This is the divine moment that was foretold for generations from the moment... Sin came into the world. Hope was introduced, and it was a hope of a story of a son, the Son of God, coming and saving man from sin. The story began to unfold, and Jesus was there the whole time helping write it. A story that would involve the ultimate return, eventually, of Himself, the ultimate sacrifice as well. Man, can you imagine the tension in this story? The moment God finally hit return and Jesus had to enter the world in flesh and live out a sinless life even while tempted the same as you and I are tempted making it all the way through all of the temptations and the denial of man and people turning on him that knew him and and him being sent to the cross and yet he stayed faithful. There was a lot of risk and tension in hitting return. He went to the cross. The most shameful ways to die in his day They would put people on a cross outside of a town so all the travelers, all men, women, children would heed the warning of whatever that person did not being lawful. And so Jesus finds himself amongst the capital punishment of its day on a cross so that you and I could be forgiven of sin, have grace. This is a weird story, but this is ultimately good news, right? It's good news that you and I can simply put our faith in Jesus and not have to go to a cross, because we do things daily that really would lead us to deserve such punishment. But he took our place. He took our place. It's amazing the grace he gave us. In this moment, Jesus utters something incredible that fits this thought of return. John nineteen thirty records it. When he had received a drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. He hit return. I mean, isn't that what you do if you write a paragraph and you're like, it's come to conclusion. Enter. It's finished. Jesus returned, went to the cross, and hit return. But therein lies the tension, right? Here comes the gap. Here comes this space. God courageously finished. Jesus' death was one of the most historical moments of hitting return button in all of humanity This divine return moment making way for you and I to to be healed, you and I to be cleansed of all unrighteousness, you and I, all these promises coming to fruition, yet there were still a couple unfulfilled prophetic words uttered over generations that involved him three days later raising from the dead. So we have this three-day gap. It's the space between the paragraphs where you're like it is finished, but yet what's next? This tension is really where my mind was drawn to for today's talk. Interesting things were taught by Jesus. John 14, 28 says, You've heard me say, I'm going away, and I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father, and the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you'll believe. But not just so that we'll believe. It's to make way for greater things. Your second fill-in, if you're doing a fill-in, if you're the melancholy person in the room, God's return made way for greater things. Listen to this, John 14. Very truly, I tell you, Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. They will do even greater things than these. Even greater things than these. Because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the Father. And he will give you another Advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The word cannot accept him because, or the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you before long. The world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. And then he sang a song, it's a hard knock life for us. I'm just kidding, that commercial's been driving me crazy. The kids went and saw the movie and they come back singing that song and I'm like, help me. Anyway, so, uh, but the the thought, he's not going to leave us as orphans. He gives us the Holy Spirit. So now we have a guide. We have this adventure to live out. We get to see the future. We get to enter into something new and beautiful that he's authoring all along for our story even greater things. I believe that God is not wanting to tell us exactly what is next. I think sometimes we define vision as something that is just absolute that we could predict five, ten years down the road, and, and then we pursue the absolute versus being prepared in culture, in DNA to appreciate the space and opportunity that God will just go, opportunity and we step through it. He wants us to get ready for what's next. What is next is even greater than what has come already. We have this understanding. All this is only possible because of Jesus' return. And he went to the grave, and here's that tension. Three days of incredible tension. Can you imagine being one of the disciples? Twelve disciples, right? One disowns Jesus. That's why he was on the cross in the first place. And now you got eleven. It's the eleven that the women go back to that we read right at the beginning, right? The eleven are there going, it's the day, and here we still are alone. Didn't even have, they're not even the ones going to the grave. They're just sitting back, wondering, waiting. There's just, it's a huge pause. And then we get back to Luke 24, 1 through 12. The women go, and, and Peter jumps up and runs. But it's interesting that he they thought it was nonsense, and, and, and then he runs to the tomb. And, and when he's exiting the scene, he says in verse 12, wondering to himself what had happened. Jesus told him exactly what was going to happen. He had to go so that the Holy Spirit could come, but yet he's still going, well, whatever. Many people have many responses to the space between paragraphs. When return is hit, some think it's nonsense, some some handle it as grief because the former paragraph is finished. Disbelief, wonder. But when you have Peter... In his zeal, he just gets up and runs, no matter where he's at in the story. And I kind of want to take life like that. In his disbelief, he did not… It says they did not believe the women. In his disbelief, he gets up and runs. I hope that I can have that kind of faith. I want to run even… When I'm struggling with my belief, I want to pray for healing even when I'm struggling understanding how God could do the miracle. I want to still ask for blessing when it seems like there's an impossibility that it would come because I don't deserve it at all. I'm going to still ask. I'm going to get up and I'm going to run. I cannot help but think that God must... Love a running wanderer more than a stagnant religious person. That's just free. Final thought: God empowers the running in the midst of wonder. And this is not like, oh, wonder. This is like... I wonder, what's going on here? God empowers the running in the midst of disbelief, doubt, confusion, question, hope. Even in your doubt and unbelief, God is leading you to jump into 2015 with a fresh return to Jesus. And this is ultimately where I wanted to land. I say all that to say this. Luke 24 13 through 35 has this most incredible story during the space between paragraphs, right? Now, that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened, and as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus Himself came up and walked along with them but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? And they stood still. St- steel? They stood still. There you go. Their faces downcast. And one of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in, three, in these days? this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find His body, and they came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels, thankfully clothed, and said, they said He was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they didn't see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter His glory? Enter His glory. Verse 27. And beginning with Moses and the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the Scriptures concerning himself. And as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread and gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them their eyes were opened, and they recognized Him, and He disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us as He talked with us on the road and opened the Scripture to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Peter ran, these guys hurried and returned to Jerusalem. What is your response today? Where are you at? Like, in your relationship with Jesus, is, I, I would hope, and I've prayed for today, and I've prayed for this month, and I'm, it's this moment where I hope you would as well sense the burning inside of you. Was not our heart burning when he spoke to us? Is not our heart burning that Jesus is challenging us to enter into 2015 with Him as our guide, with the Holy Spirit alive in us. And the only way that happens, the only way we have this empowerment and this greater things ahead mindset and spirit, the only way we're going to enter into that is to choose to follow Jesus it's through following Jesus that we're no longer orphans. It's through following Jesus that we have the promise of eternal life because He did die, go to the grave, and raise from the dead, promising us that if we choose Him, we have eternal life. And we just follow Him, follow Him through the adventures. Return to what is true. They said, it is true. Jesus is alive. And He can be alive in us and help us and guide us into the most crazy year ahead. And I believe we're going to see things that are just going to amaze us in our community, in our friends' lives. I'm praying that in our kids' lives. When I start talking about hope and future, I get excited and passionate and teary. Why is that? I'm a dude. I have no idea. I cry when Sherman catches an interception. I don't know what's wrong with me. I cry for joy when Roethlisberger throws an interception. Anyway, so it's these things. But I have incredible anticipation for the future. I have incredible anticipation for what is ahead. And I believe as much as we're to return to Jesus, that is our source that will help us enter our future and live life to the full. That's the most important way we can start 2015. Reconnect. So wherever you're at in your relationship with Jesus, this is your opportunity to just purify that relationship. For some of you, maybe that's starting that relationship. For others of you, maybe it's entering into that relationship in in a deeper fashion. Begin to pray daily. Begin to read your Bible personally. Maybe it's next week, get baptized. Maybe it's empowering your kids to live out their faith. God, I thank you for the opportunity we have to gather here at the high school, whether they had the heat all the way on or not. And I just pray that, Lord, you would give us the capacity to grasp the depth of the price you paid for us to live life to the full. Not just now, but you give us a promise of eternal life if we'll simply choose to follow Jesus. And so I pray, God, for every person here that that whatever the next step is for them, whatever returning to you and entering into their future with you is, they would take that step. For those who have yet to invite you into their life as Lord and Savior, they've yet to enter into a relationship with Jesus by choosing to follow you. May they do that right now by simply just praying this prayer. Jesus, I want to know you. I choose to follow you, and I want to grow in relationship with you. I want to live an adventurous life and and, and life to the full. I want to be free from my past sins and enter into 2015 totally pure and in right relationship with you, in Jesus' name. For others in the room, Lord, that have been following you, Just renew the passion. Renew. Help them return to the passion of when they first chose you. Help them return to that zeal for Jesus that they've once experienced and reignite the hope and grace of Jesus in their life and pursue you with a fresh passion in 2015. In your name I pray. Amen. The worship team is going to lead us in a song And as they do, I simply want you to turn over that connection card that you have in your hand and consider, man, what is my next step? What is God speaking to me? Jot it in the prayer section. And and the staff, when we gather this week, will pray for your 2015. Whatever it is, maybe it's a new job. Maybe it's deliverance. Maybe it's a relationship. Whatever you need to, to enter into or return to, maybe you need healing, jot it on that card. We can't wait to do life with you.
0: Thank you for listening to today's talk. If you have a question about what you've heard today, or if you have a need we can pray with you about, feel free to click on the Let's Connect or Need Prayer button on the upper right side of the Message Archive page. Or if you're listening on iTunes, you can always email info at livinglifeopen.com. If you'd like to join in the mission of Open Life with a financial gift, you can give online at livinglifeopen.com by following the Giving tab and clicking Give Now. We're excited you took the time out of your busy week to listen to our talk. But have you ever thought about visiting us on a Sunday morning? We meet at 10 a.m. each Sunday at Bonnie Lake High School. We would love to see you on a Sunday, and then you can put a face to the voice you've been hearing online. Finally, stay up to date with everything Open Life by visiting livinglifeopen.com following us on Twitter, or liking us on Facebook. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoy the rest of your day and week.